Thank you, worship team, for leading us. The kids can sneak on out. I think they're already doing that now, but you guys can sneak on out. It's great to have everybody here worshiping with us here at New Hope Community Church. My name is Chuck Wilson, in case I didn't get a chance to say hi yet. But the title uh, for today is, What About Those Who Have Never Heard? Going to be a good one. Romans 10, 11 to 18. Now, last week, we saw that we could only be saved by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Any of us are going to get into heaven. The only way we're going to get right with God, we must be saved by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. Remember Romans, Romans 10, 9, and 10, which I'm sure you all memorized since last week. Uh, Romans 10, 9, and 10, where it says <clears throat> that if you... I'm going to pop that up. Do you have that one, Em? No? What happened? Okay, well, I'm going to do it by memory. You guys all should have anyway. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Romans 10, 9, and 10. Okay? We talked about how we must put our faith in Jesus Christ. There's no other way. But what about those who have never heard about Jesus? This is a big question, right? It's, I know I've wrestled with this many, many times, and it's probably haunted all of us at some time or another. Uh, you know, we, I, if you're out witnessing, if you ever share your faith with someone, or especially Chuck Harrison out in the street, I'm sure you hear that, that all the time. What about those who have never heard? Uh, but, but what does God's Word say about that? Because this is a really tough question, but God's Word answers this very clearly, which we're going to see that Paul hits Head on today. He's going to hit it head on right away, right after we went through all those hard questions, Romans 9, uh, election and predestination and zeal without knowledge and, and last week. But we're going to see he hits it head on today. Let me just say a prayer before we do this. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit, through your mercy and grace, would speak to us now, preparing us for communion, preparing us for salvation. If anyone has never put their faith in Jesus, that today would be the day. Lord, and just pray that you would help us to really grasp what your word says about a really tough question in our culture. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so Romans, we'll read the whole passage. Romans 10, 11 to 18. Do we have that one? I never know what I give them. I mess things up. Okay, so anyway, as the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there's no difference between the Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one they have, of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Didn't we just sing that? Yeah, thank you. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. But I asked, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Okay, here we go. Question number one. I'm going to ask two really tough questions. Question number one, what about those who have never heard? I remember growing up, it was always the natives in the jungle. What about the natives in the jungle who have never heard? Or today, it's what about the natives in the asphalt jungles who have never heard? That's the United States. 
You know, the, many, many in, in, in the United States have not heard Chuck Harrison, once again, t- telling the stories about witnessing on the streets and, and how many people have completely ignorant of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's, it's here now. But Romans here, and the answer to this question, what about those who have never heard, Romans 10 tells us that all must believe in Jesus Christ. That's the answer. Romans 10, 13. Let's pick it up again. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. How, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring Good news. We must all believe in Jesus Christ. But, but, and this is kind of the, the, the question that jumps out at us, but that's not fair if they've never heard. If they've never heard, that's not fair, right? But Paul tells us in this passage there is no excuse. That is no excuse. Romans 10, 17, and 18. Remember what he just said. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. But I ask, see how he's leading us on this? But I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their words have gone out to all the earth. I'm sorry, their voice has gone out to all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. What is he talking about? There's no excuse because everybody's heard. But what is he talking about? He's quoting Psalm 19, 1 to 4. And in Psalm 19, 1 to 4, David writes, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There's no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. Everyone should know there is a creator God. They should realize that because every day the sun is saying there is a God. Every night you go out and look up and you see the moon and the stars and they're saying there is a God. There is a God constantly telling us this. And this was before cell phones when people actually went outside and looked up at the sky. But uh, but there, there's that it's a constantly preaching to us that there's a creator God. Remember when we did Romans 120 and Romans 120, it says for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. There's there everything in creation shouts God made this. God made this. God, look at what he says. God's divine power and his divine nature jump out at us every time we see anything in nature. Now, we, we know that God had to make this. It couldn't have been a big bang. That's insane. They're, they're, God made this. Every time a baby is born, we realize only God could explain this miracle of creation. Not evolution. You know, it, it, it's insane, right? But, but that's what, that's what nature it shows us clearly that there is a creator, that there is a God. We can see his actual power and divine nature. So there is no excuse. Everyone should know there is a creator God. But how do we find him? Now, this is a trickier part. How do we find him? How does everybody find him? Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen says this. But you will seek me and find me when you seek for me with all your heart. 
Someone sees the one truth. They know there's a God, there's a creator. And, and if, we, if we are truly searching, the Bible says that God will make sure we find him and find his son, Jesus Christ, if we are truly searching. And remember in the book of Acts, we saw this very thing many times over again. In the book of Acts, Acts 8, 25, start with that. With, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Ooh, Gaza, there we go. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Then, verse 35, then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told them the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Wow. You remember the movie Jumper? You know, you know, here's Philip jumping all over the place. God's taking him, delivering him to, to deliver the gospel. Amazing what we see how God made sure somebody who was seeking heard the gospel. We saw the same thing in, in uh, Acts 10. Same thing in Acts 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. And he and all his family were devout and God-fearing He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who were one of his attendants. uh, And then he sent them down. He got Peter. Peter, meanwhile, has a vision. I mean, the Holy Spirit's working all over here, right? And and what we see is here's Cornelius. He's just a God-fairer. He he knew there was one true God, but he didn't know Jesus. But God made sure an angel appeared to him and brought Peter and made sure he heard about Jesus Christ. Peter has the vision and leads this man and his whole family to Christ. We see this happening all over the world today. I've been sharing these stories about what the Muslims having dreams about Jesus and putting their faith in him. These, these uh, the people in the Gaza, 200 men in one night had the dream of Jesus and turned to Jesus in Gaza. During the middle of the war, the Holy Spirit is, is working in a powerful way. Because remember, God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty. Remember, we talked about election. God will make sure those who are supposed to find him, find him. And those who are searching with all their heart, God will make sure 
that they hear the good news of Jesus. He can do it through a witness. He can do it through a Bible. He can do it through a radio signal. He can do it through a cell phone. He can do it through a dream. He doesn't need people at all. Powerful. So all must put their faith in Jesus Christ to be saved. Everybody has to do that. And if they're truly searching for God, he will make sure they find him. Now, second question I want to ask is, what about those who have heard? That's us. What should we be doing? This question has been answered, but there's also a very important question that needs to be answered. What should we be doing? Spreading the word. word. Thank you. Okay, you can all go home. Thank you. All right. That is exactly right. Romans 10, 13, and 15. Let's read it again. I'll, I'll read this thinking of ourselves this time. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? I'm reading this one because I want to make sure I get the the translations correct that we are all reading here. But uh, do we... Are we doing our part? What is our part? Beautiful feet. Look what he says. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring news. Our job is beautiful feet. This comes from Isaiah 52.7. He's quoting Isaiah 52.7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. And, and he's specifically talking here in Isaiah, referring to battle messengers, battle messengers who would bring good news of victory. There was a victory. The army won. They would bring the news of the victory back that he's using that and then applying it to those who bring good news about God. So there's a you're tying those together. And Paul applies this to us. We have much better news than a, a war victory. We have Jesus Christ's victory over sin and death. That's what the good news that we are bringing. Jesus Christ's victory over sin and death. Do we have beautiful feet? Do we have beautiful feet? Are we bringing the great news to those who haven't heard? The very first marathon, I've used this story a couple years ago, but I just love this one. The very first marathon, uh, 490 B.C. The Greeks of Athens were fighting the Persians. The, they were on the plains of Marathon. The general, uh, I don't have Larry and Carol here, Swain, to help me for the pronunciations. They're great with all these pronunciations. They're unbelievable historians. But I, I, I give my own uh, uh, short. The general sent Pip. I'm just not going to try his name without Larry here. But sent Pip to Sparta to ask for help. He ran 150 miles in two days. He gets there and says, help us fight the, per- the Persians. And Spartan said, nope. So he turns around and ran 150, to 150 miles back in two more days. Gets there and says, they're not coming. He picks up his sword. And he joins the battle. He starts fighting the Persians. They... Win a shocking victory. It shocked everybody because they're so outnumbered. They win a shocking victory. The Persians panic. They get back. The survivors get back on the boats. They start sailing away. And the general is afraid that they're going to try to trick Athens, which is just 
26 miles away, and figures they're going to sail over there and say, hey, we defeated your army. We want you to open up the gates and let us in. And they figure they're going to try to trick them. So he want, needs someone to go warn Athens and let them know the good news. Guess who he sends? Pip. He sends him back, Pipifides, or I bet that's why I use Pip, okay? Sends him back, he, and he says, tell them, don't surrender. Although he's exhausted, he ran from the plains of Marathon back to Athens, 26 miles. As he entered the gates, he shouted, we rejoice, we conquer. Rejoice, we conquer. And then he dropped dead. He had run the first 300 miles out of love for his country. He ran the last 26 miles with a message of victory. That's what Paul is telling us. We're to have those beautiful feet. We have a much more important message than a political victory or a war victory or even a sport victory. We have a much more powerful message. It's Jesus Christ's victory over sin and death. And you might not be able, be able to even run one mile. I doubt I could anymore. I can walk that far. But we can, we can bring the message of Jesus Christ's victory to the desperate and fearful world, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to bring. We're called to have beautiful feet. Beautiful feet. Do we have beautiful feet? Do we have beautiful feet? So many people, Christians included, stumble over this question. What, what, but what about the people who've never heard? So many people stumble over that. But Romans 10 is asking a very different question. What about you? What about me? What about us? We have heard. Who will we tell? That's what our question is. Who will we tell? Are we carrying the great news about Jesus Christ to those who have not heard? Who have not heard? Missions. Think about missions. We, are we doing worldwide missions? Are we, I know we're going on trips. We take, are, we, are, you, are we all going on trips? Are we giving? Are we praying for our missionaries? You know, we, we, you know, we have the mission in the Peru that we're doing, the unreached people groups. Uh, we have our missionaries, the Adams and the Dominican Republic and many others on our list there. Uh, you know, there's, I always encourage people to adopt the missionary, like Gospels for Asia. They have adopt a missionary where you can actually support your own church planter for like a dollar a day. It's crazy what you can do in other countries. It's just crazy. But we're, but, uh, but are we are we doing this? Are we going? Are we going all the different ways we can go? Uh, it, it may be a short term mission trip. It might be going permanently, going full time, uh, full time. Maybe you're retired and, and you're going uh, on trips in your retirement or investing your retirement years and your retirement money on going. Well, you can have a huge every one of us can have a huge impact. On the world, whether we're, we're going short term or going through giving and going through praying or going, going, what, however that is, we can have a huge impact. And it's our job. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven 
and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, even to the end of the age. I'm sorry, everything I've commanded you, and sure I am with you, always, even to the end of the age. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's our call, the Great Commission. Luke 10, 2 and 3 has a great, when Jesus talks about, uh, well, I'll read it. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. That's what he says. Ask God to send them. And what does he say, the very next word? People so often we leave this out. Go! (laughs) Remember, stop it. This is go. And, and, and notice the exclamation in the Greek. It's, it's an exclamation. It's go. That's, that's our call. Where is God calling you right now? It might be across the world or across the street. Across the street. The USA is now the fifth largest mission field in the world. Did you know that? The fifth largest mission field in the world. Many in the United States have never heard the gospel. I know it sounds incredible. I, I coach teams sometimes. I remember coaching a team and saying, we're going to be playing a hard team. I go, guys, this is just going to be like playing David. It's just going to be like David versus Goliath. And the kids all looked at me like, what are you talking about? And I said, you guys have never heard of David and Goliath? None of them had heard, except my kids who are on the team. The, 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 this country... People do not know the gospel. They've never heard the gospel. I know Chuck Harrison. How many people out on the streets have never even heard the gospel? Percentage. What's that? 80%. On the boardwalk, talking to all those seats, 80% have never heard the gospel. It's unbelievable. And the mission field is coming to us. Coming to us. It's called Open Borders. And now, listen, open borders may not be good for the United States. Our survival, because no country can survive open borders, right? And guess what? We're not going to survive anyway. Read the book of Daniel and Revelation. The United States is not there. We're clearly not going to be there in the end times, right? Which are very close. Or we're going to be neutralized in such a way that we're not a big power play. We've talked about that many times. So, this whole open borders thing is just another part of God's judgment, right? But, but, this is a very important concept. It might be bad for the United States as a political entity, but it's great for Christians and witnessing. The mission field is coming to us. Coming to us. That's our focus as Christians. Okay, as the United States, the government should be doing its job. It's not. But, but wipe that away and realize as Christians, the mission field is here. And, and these people are desperate. They have many needs, especially Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but I'm constantly looking and, and connecting. They want relationships. And I, you, you can make friends. I bunch of guys were out working on landscape, and, and I carried out, I had a whole bunch of extra food from something, I can't remember what it was, I carried out, and I handed it out, they were so excited, I had instant friends, you know, they were like, what, someone's friendly to us, and we had a great time talking, and I was trying to find out where they go to church, and I steer people all the time, everywhere I go, every restaurant, so I'm waiting, I mean, I'm trying to 
Brian's with me. It's great. He, Brian Shields with me. It's great. He can help, you know, Brian, you know, but there's a, a Hispanic church that meets right above us right now. And I'm constantly telling them about this church right above us. Gospel preaching church right above us. Constantly telling them about that. Steering them there. I'm not saying, why are you here? No, I'm like, you need Jesus. And I'm going to be your friend. And, and here's a church. And I can't really get through much to you, but here, and I give them the number and everything, get them connected. It's great. It, it, the mission field has come to us. Come to us. Do we have beautiful feet? Do we have beautiful feet? Are, are, we, are, are we like we can't wait to tell people about Jesus Christ? Do we have that attitude that we can't wait? What if, what if your team won the Super Bowl? What if, what if your team was even in the Super Bowl? I, I know the Eagles aren't in, most of you are Eagles fans, but, but you know, what if it was the Eagles? It's all anybody would be talking about today. And you go to work and you go to school and it's all anybody we'd be talking about. Remember a couple years ago? Heartbreak. Or last year, last year. Or so quickly we forget. Right? But, but, but it's all anybody talked about. But it's a stupid football game. It means nothing. This is Jesus. Do, are, are, are we excited about telling people? We would tell everybody about our football team. But are we, are, that's nothing compared to the great news of Jesus Christ. Do we have that perspective? There was a missionary year, that missionary doctor years ago. Uh, I remember hearing his, him sharing his story. And, and this is what he, he was talking about this. This is many years ago. Uh, but I'll never forget it. Uh, he was in Africa. He was a missionary doctor in Africa. And there was a lot of elephant, elephantitis. You know, elephantitis, when people get the big legs because they have the improper diet. And there was a lot of elephantitis where the legs are just swollen, huge. It's, it's a terrible thing, but it's very common where they don't have the, the proper diet. And he was saying, the doctor was sharing the story about a boy who became a Christian. He was a young boy. Uh, I know they think he was 11 or 12, something like that, if I remember right. But he became a Christian. He was saved. And then, you know what this kid did? He went to every hut in his village. And shared about Jesus Christ, trying to lead them all to Christ. But he wasn't satisfied because he wanted to tell more people he was so excited. He didn't have a football team to cheer for. He just had Jesus. So he went to a village that was real close by, and, and he went to each of those. It was very painful for him to even walk there, but he went to every, every day he went there until he reached every single hut with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he still wasn't satisfied. And he was talking to the doctor, and every day the doctor would treat his feet because he's bleeding all the time because he really shouldn't be walking in this condition. They were trying to give him the vitamins and all that, but he still had this bad condition. And, and he said uh, he remembered there was a village 12 miles away. He remember visiting it as a boy when he was a young boy. And he asked the missionary, has anybody gone there yet? Do they know the gospel? And the missionary said, no, I haven't been able to get over there, and nobody's gotten over there that I know of, uh, but don't you go, because you have elephantitis, so don't go. You're in no condition to go there. So the kid waited till it was, uh, everybody went to sleep, and he got ready, and the next morning he got up before dark, and he walked the 12 miles. 
to this village. He had to sneak out because his parents and the doctor would have never let him go. He arrives at the new village 12 miles away, bleeding, battered and bleeding. His feet were a mess. If you have ever seen that condition, you know what I'm talking about. He refuses. Everybody's like, what happened to you? He's like, he refuses food or anything until he started sharing the gospel. He said, I'm going to, I have to tell everybody. He went from hut to hut to hut. He refused anything, treatment, food, anything, until he went to every hut and told them about Jesus Christ. Finally, after he'd reached them all, he leaves. He didn't finish until it was dark. And you know what it's like in Africa, walking at night, bleeding. That's not a good idea, but he made it home. By God's grace, he made it home all 12 miles. He gets home. He arrives at midnight, and the doctor heard him come in at midnight. He heard this scraping and noise, and he was worried about this kid. He didn't know. He figured he was doing something crazy. And he hears him. He went outside. He grabs him. He brings him into his side. His feet are bloody pulps. He's treating his feet. And as he's treating them, all he could think about, this doctor said, was, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Because to the world, they were ugly feet, bloody feet. But to God, they were beautiful feet. Are we willing to do anything to share the gospel? Even to suffer? We've talked about this. Even to suffer persecution. In the USA today, we're like the book of Acts now, aren't we? It's like the book of Acts. Sharing Jesus Christ can get you in the hot water with the religious establishment and with those who were trying to share. It's hard to share the gospel in our country now. You can get into trouble. We had the prayer for life this last week at the Planned Parenthood. And, and it's always scary. You never know what's going to happen when you go there because people are, are angry. Many times we've been attacked just out praying. In, in the United Kingdom, you get arrested for just praying outside of a, a clinic. If you're, you, if you're, it's against the law to pray outside of an abortion clinic in the United Kingdom. Did you know that? Why? Because it's powerful. Prayer is powerful and they know it. It messes up the whole day in these places. People have come out of these and become Christians have said, when people were out praying, it ruined our day. We could hardly kill babies. All these women would leave because it's powerful. And so, so many times we've been, uh, if they catch someone just standing silently outside of an abortion clinic in the United Kingdom, they arrest them. We know you're praying. You can't prove that. We know you're praying, and they, they actually arrest them. It, it's crazy, but it's coming here. It, it, how many pro-life Christians have been arrested by the Department of the DOI, I call it, the Department of Injustice, and facing jail time just for trying to save babies? That's insane, right? Insane. And, and the same thing goes with the LGBTQ community. They, if you tell people in the LGBT community that they can... 
be set free through the power of Jesus Christ. It's just, we have some great stories, right? But there's a lot of anger that comes out. There's a lot of, the, you could be attacked. But we haven't stopped, have we? First service we ever had, we had to have policemen here. Because they were, you know, they, they come out of the woodwork to attack us. Why? Not because we were being mean. But we told the truth. We were sharing the love of Jesus Christ that you can be set free. And look what has happened. Many attacks, but look at the people's lives that have changed through the AIDS walk. Fifteen years part of the AIDS walk in the, 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 the AIDS house. All the, the every resident at one time were coming here saved. Most of them have passed away, but uh, they all were saved. And, and the testimonies and the changed lives here because we were willing to take a lot of black eyes. Remember the people on, the, on TV? I'd wake up in the morning, they'd be running me down on TV because they would make up all these stories about us. All we were doing is sh- sharing the love of Jesus Christ, the truth of Jesus Christ. Not attacking anybody, just saying, Jesus can set you free. And we've seen it over and over again here. But will we, and I just used two examples, it's all over our country, right? Will we speak the truth and love no matter what the cost? In your school, in your college, in your workplace, people are losing jobs. In, you know, will we share the love of Jesus Christ no matter what the cost? Richard Wombrand, who started Voice of the Martyrs, he's now in heaven. God bless him. But he, he, what he went through, Richard Wombrand, Voice of the Martyrs, if you don't get that magazine, it's always, we always have them on the back table. Be following that. Uh, but he, he said, <clears throat> he shares the story when officials caught him preaching in the prisons, the communists would catch him preaching in the prisons. And when they caught him, they would bring him to a beating room. And I'm just reading some excerpts from this book. They tied his legs together and slowly beat the bottom of his bare feet with a rubber club. He writes here that they broke four vertebrae in my back and many other bones. They carved me in a dozen places. They burned and cut 18 holes in my body. But he said, I had an agreement with the officials. I would preach the gospel and they would beat me. That was our agreement. They would beat me. And it was always the feet that ended up taking the greatest beating. It, it was crazy. Uh, he, he when Later on when he was touring the United States, some of you may have even seen him, often he wouldn't have shoes on. He couldn't wear shoes. Or he would actually preach up on stage with his feet lifted up on a pillow because his feet were so swollen and beaten, damaged. He... He had beaten feet, but they were beautiful feet, beautiful feet that saved many, many people. Are we willing to do the same, to share the gospel, even if it means persecution? Or will we speak the truth in love? It's got to be in love, but it's got to be the truth. So many people stop speaking the truth. And others don't do it in love. But the Bible says, Ephesians 3, speaking the truth in love. Will we do that? 
And maybe you're here today and you're the one who, or you're out there listening, and there are lots of people listening. You're the one who needs Jesus Christ today. You're the one who needs to hear the message of the beautiful feet. You need, you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. But today could be that day for you. Remember the question, what, what are those who haven't heard? Listen, you have heard. You've heard it clearly today. What will you do with Jesus Christ? John 3:16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What will you do with Jesus Christ? And that's what communion is all about. As we go to this communion time, it's remembering what Jesus has done for us. His death on the cross, he gave his body, he gave his blood. To pay for our sin so that we could be set free if we will repent and put our faith in Jesus Christ. It's remembering that. And it's also a reminder of what we're called to do. A lot of times we, don't, we forget about this. But it's also a very important reminder connected to beautiful feet. In 1 Corinthians 11 it says this. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And here we go. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Until he comes. It's a witness. It's not just communing, which is very important. But it's also a witness of what Jesus has done for us. His body and blood. We proclaim the Lord's death to those who don't know about Jesus. Until he comes. Which we believe is coming very, very quickly. What it is, we have the bread. And we have the cup. And the the the, 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 the crackers represent the body of Jesus Christ. The cups represent the, the juice represents the blood of Jesus Christ. How we take it is Todd will come up and lead us in just a few moments with some singing and prayer. And you just come on up and, and, and take it back to your seat and take it when you're ready. However, God leads you to do that. There's two reasons why you shouldn't take the Lord's Supper. Number one, if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, don't take it. It's okay. We don't videotape. We don't take attendance. It's between you and God. But if you're still searching and not ready to take that step, then wait. The second reason is if there's something in our life that is, goes against God's word. And we're not willing to surrender that. I didn't say you have to be perfect. Nobody we didn't even bother with this, right? We all struggle. But we have to be willing to say, God, I need your mercy and grace today. Whatever I'm battling with, struggle with, I need your mercy and grace today. You have to be willing to say, God, I'm, I may be struggling with this, but I'm not hanging on to it. I ask once again for your mercy and grace today. But if we're not willing to surrender something, then, then wait. But I hope everybody does put your faith in Christ and surrender whatever the Holy Spirit is speaking to us about. I hope you do that because everybody can, can commune with Jesus. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, preparing for communion, how is God speaking to our heart? How is the Holy Spirit touching our heart? 
Maybe here today you've never put your faith in Jesus. You've never taken that step of faith. But today you do know what God has done. He gave his son to die on the cross for our sin. And he he had him resurrect from the dead to give us a brand new life in Jesus. And every one of us can have that life if we will repent of our sin and put our faith in Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If you have never put your faith in Jesus, you can do that right now. It happens in our heart, but I encourage people to, to pray a prayer. It could be a silent prayer. It could be out loud, however you led. But to, to pray a prayer of faith, to put an exclamation on that faith that we have. What will you do with Jesus? Will you accept him or reject him? Will you see life or death? What will you do with Jesus? You can connect with him right now. You can live a life of communing with God starting right now. A simple prayer of faith. Confirming what is already happening in your heart. God, I don't want the sin anymore. I don't want the garbage anymore. I don't want the shame. I want Jesus. I repent of everything in my life that goes against your word. I repent. I walk away from it. I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me because I'm putting my faith in your one and only son, Jesus. I'm putting my faith in his death on the cross For my sin. I'm putting my faith in his resurrection from the dead. To give me a new life. I give you my life God. Father God I give you my life. you have prayed that prayer of faith in your heart confirming it with your mouth then you can now commune with God as your father anytime the Holy Spirit is now in you making you a brand new creation in Christ and you now have the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ to help you in every struggle. And there's going to be many of them. As he sanctifies and changes us, there will be many struggles. But now you have God's mercy and grace through his son, Jesus. Every time you fall, you can get back up again. Whatever you're struggling with, he understands. He's going to help you. I want to encourage you to tell somebody Maybe you have a family member or a friend here or wherever you are, someone at work, someone at school. Tell somebody who's a Christian so that we can be excited for you and encourage you in your new faith in Christ. Tell me on the way out. Tell somebody. 
For those of us who are Christians, how is the Holy Spirit preparing us for this communion time? What do we need to purify? Where do we need God's mercy and grace again and again and again and again? It's always there. Maybe the Holy Spirit is putting on our hearts someone who we can tell the good news of Jesus, which is anyone and everyone, hopefully. Do we have beautiful feet? We're excited to come and take communion, but we have the beautiful feet. Will we speak the truth in love? Say, God, I will speak the truth in love no matter what the cost. Father, I pray that we would all remember, as we go to this communion time, we would remember what it cost you, what it cost your son Jesus. And this would be a special, special time of communion. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How great is his love for all of us. Thank you for being here today. You're dismissed. Have a good day and a great week ahead.